Okay, you love the hand clap. Come on, that's all of us. Hey, I got a question. Got one question for you. Who saw Captain America? Who went to the movie to go see Captain America? Is it any good? Do I need to go see it? Really? How come? Someone give me a reason. Way better than the first one. Coming from Chris. I like that. Oh, oh, the Avengers. Who wants to see the Avengers? Do I, I haven't seen that either. Why should I go? Should I go? Should I waste my money? Should I take my money and go? How about there's, a, there's another one I didn't see called The Hobbit. Did anybody go see The Hobbit? Is that any good? Really, no. Should I go see it? Why should I go see it? Huh? Why should I see it? Has a good message. What kind of message does it have? Hope? How many believe the Hobbit has hope? Okay. Should I should spend my 15? Well, how much it cost to go to movies now? $7? $9. Coming from a college student. That's not your money anyway. It's your parents. And Captain America is worth the money? Really? Okay, why? Why? Give me one word why I should go see it. Because what? Because he said Jesus is God? Wow. Y'all just did something that I'm going to talk about the next three weeks. Y'all just evangelized me to the movies. How many thought those movies were good? And you tell all the people how great they are, don't you? And you want them to go and see it or come. You tell them, come and see, go see the movie. And you tell them how fantastic it is. And they go and see and they feed for themselves either it was good or it was bad. How about Grace Point Church? Grace Point Church, any good? Why should I go? Give me a couple words. Why should I go to church? Why should I go to Grace Point Church? People. What else? Pastor, I know he's fantastic. I know the guy. about the singing. It's the brother with the suit who knows how to dress. Right? No. What I just showed you and what you just participated in is what God calls us all to do with the gospel. You're excited about it, so you want to tell your friends about it. You want to tell your family about it. You want to tell your neighbors about it for them to come and see. And we do that with movies. But Movies are perishable. They go on DVD. And sooner or later, we won't have a DVD. Now we have downloads. And I remember cassette decks. And I remember Reel the Reels. And I remember 45s and 33 and the third albums that no one remembers anymore. I never existed. But there's Jesus who never fades away, who's always there, who's always existent, who's always there to give us hope, give us peace, and give us the most important thing I love in this world that we all need today, joy. So we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about come and see you. This is Palm Sunday, and we're going to talk about a story about Jesus showing us how easy it is to tell people to come and see. And you never know the person that you might reach out to and say, hey, go to that movie. Hey, go to that church. They might be connected to something bigger. But if we never say anything, they won't know anything. 
So let's go to um, John chapter 4. And this is the story about the woman of the well. It goes through uh, verses 1 through 42. We're not going to go through 1 through 42. We're actually going to start in verse 28 and go down to 42. And I'll unpack the story for you and show you what I'm talking about when I'm talking about come and see. And it's talking about a woman at the well. It says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Now, Jesus knows everything we've done. How many think it's a secret? Not to him. Can this be the Christ? And the way she asked this question, talking to other people, she was expecting a negative response, but she didn't get it. They were, it was surprising how they all believed in what she said. They went out in the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone bought him um, something to eat? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, if you ever get into a church and you hear people say, I'm not being fed, tell them to put their sneakers on and go do some work. Just saying, do you not say there were yet four months then come to harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here they're saying holds true. One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's what? He told me all that I ever did. So when the woman, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed with them there two days. And many more believed because of whose word? And they said to the woman, it was no longer because you said it or said that, that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Powerful statement. Father, I ask in this time that we have, God, I pray again for revelation, not just information today. In this holiday season, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, this is Jesus in John, in John chapter 4. I start in verse 28. I'll tell you about the first 27. Jesus at the time, just coming on the scene, started baptizing, um, baptizing more people. The Pharisees were getting very upset, the religious folks, because they were baptizing more people than John the Baptist. But it wasn't Jesus doing it. It was his disciples doing it. So he said, I need to go to Samaria. Now, you got to understand, Samaria was not the place where any Jew would go because it lay between Judah and Galilee. It's about 70 miles from where he was, two and a half day travel. Now, the Samarians were not their favorite people of the Jews. If you know church history, and I met a church history student this morning, in 722 B.C., when the Assyrians captured the Jews and scattered them, they set up town in the northern kingdom, and those scattered, what happens is when they were in there, they got married. So they were called half-breeds. And when they got married, they picked up all these other religious observances. The same thing with thinking about Jesus. So they were called half-breeds, and they were called dogs by the Jews, and they didn't want nothing to do with them. Can anyone say prejudice? So to go to a Sumerian to talk about, to talk to him once, that's a no-no. In fact, the two-and-a-half-day journey, I am not even going to go into that city. I'm going to go all the way around to the Jordan 
and up a hill another four or five days just so I don't have to step inside the middle of Samaria. Because they could not stand them. To the point, if you look at the book of Luke 9.54, when the disciples, the apostles, the future apostles, went in, said a word, and the people didn't believe them. So they did what anybody probably would do. They said, Jesus, since we got all this power, can we call down fire from heaven and blow these guys up? Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. We're here to love, not kill people. You don't know what spirit you're walking in. That's how much they hated the Samaritans, that they wouldn't even go into the city. Now, this woman that Jesus encountered, she's a triple threat. One, they consider her almost a prostitute. Two, she's a woman. Three, she's Samaritan. And Jesus talked to her anyway. And you see, as you read up in first part of John, how he was tired and he was weary and he sat down at the well, Jacob's well, which was about 250 feet deep. And he sat there and he ministered, he ministered to that woman when he wasn't supposed to because he was considered a rabbi. And rabbis in them days did not talk to women at all, even those who had a, re- a good reputation. For him sitting there talking to her was really, are you kidding me? And she even said so. A rabbi is talking to me? And you asking me to give you water out of a dish that you consider all our dishes were, were nasty and really unusable? Any Samaritan who had a cup in their hand or a bottle in their hand would consider, well, you can't drink out of this. Remember when we used to drop stuff on the floor and you say, kiss it up to God? And you took the drink of it? Well, the Samaritan took this water bottle and drank out of it. They burned it because it was nasty and unclean. They're dogs. That's why Jesus had to go through Samaria to show that the gospel is universal and to show there's no one too far gone for Jesus to minister to. So they go through this thing about the well and the water. It talks about living water. And he evangelizes. He tells a story. And I'll talk, we'll unpack this in a minute. Three things happened when he was sitting there when we get to the story. First, she believed Jesus' word. Then the village believed her word. Then the village believed Jesus' word. So she received from God. She told, hey, there's a movie, The Hobbit. You need to come out. They're going to tell you everything you need to know. And they showed up at The Hobbit and got blessed, and they believed it. From her word to Jesus' word. I love the way God makes things so simple. Because she said, this is a God just... Told me everything I need to know. She didn't come out with a big evangelistic scripture. She just told what happened to her. How many of you got something that God has just done for you and you need to share it with somebody? I remember, you know, when we used to grow up and back then days you had stingrays. We used to call them pierce arrows, bicycles. Yeah, you used to do wheelies on them. 
Come on, bro, help me out. Now y'all pay to see that. We used to do it for free. Wheelies and jump. We used to run in the bushes. I don't know why. We, we were crazy. And try to get through the bike. See, the bike goes. We go flying off. We were real guys then. And everyone said, where'd you get that bike? I said, I got it from Mike's bike store. Really? That bike? Yeah. Because Mike put out a new one every year. And somehow we convinced our parents the one we had the year before was old. Because back in them days, $26 got you a bike. Sorry, it's old school now. It's probably $150 now for a bike. And we would get Mike business by just sharing about our bike. And we were so excited about our bikes. Every, every Christmas, we got a new one. And we tore it up, and we got a new one. But Mike's business grew because of the fact that we testified about the bike. And also, we also used it and showed them how awesome it was. Same thing with the church. We make Jesus famous when we testify about what he's done. Sometimes you think, he hasn't really done nothing for me. Hey, you're living. (laughs) You need to share it all the time. Because there's people who don't know that he's so fantastic. Let's look at this. She believed Jesus' word. Now, Jesus showed up. He didn't condemn her. And he just enlightened her. Because he actually had talked, they talked a little bit. He said, uh, talk about living water and water and getting the water out the well. And she said, he said, go tell your husband to come out. Oh, sir, um, I don't have a husband. He says, you know, you're right. In fact, you had five. And the one you're living with right now, not your husband. Now, she was an outcast, but you know something? I was looking, and I said, you know, that's, that could be our neighbor across the street. You never know. She's an outcast from her people, but not to God. So you got five, you got five, and that sixth guy you're living with, it's not your husband. Think about the shame that she walked with. That she wasn't worth anything. And he was, then she, they went into about worship, about, well, the Sumerians, we worship God on the hill. And you guys think about worshiping in the Jews in the temple. And this well, Jacob gave us this well. She had a lot of history. She had a lot of religion. But Jesus even said that. The time has come that those who worship me will worship in spirit and truth. You worship what you don't know. We worship who we know. We're getting kind of close, but we're off too. Because let me tell you something. The Pharisee was so, I mean, the Samaritans were so hated by the Pharisees, they would pray in the temple that the Samaritans will not be resurrected if, when Jesus came back. You ever have a prayer for someone that got on your nerves so bad? Lord, just blow them up. They don't have to go to heaven. Just give me this one desire. Sound like a pastor on Tuesday. He didn't condemn her. He didn't approach you with the problem. He approached you with the solution. Guys, you all got the solution. You got to remember that. And he talked about the wells. The well, Jacob's well. It's about 250 feet down. Draw up that water. And you know, Jesus didn't have to come up with anything new. He just used the stuff that was there. He talked about living. He's the living water. Once you drink from me, you will never thirst again. And she was talking about, how long I have this water? How are you going to dip all the way down and get that water out and make it living water? 
says living water is sitting right in front of you. And it gave me a picture of how many wells we try to use to bring satisfaction to our lives. People try every kind of well. Relationships with the wrong people. Money. Power. Possession. Trying to dip that well and not satisfy. And can I tell you this? The world's wells are not going to satisfy your soul. They cannot provide satisfaction. If you're in a relationship trying to find that through your mate, you're in the wrong place. The only one that can give you that is Jesus. (laughs) In the middle of it then you'll have satisfaction. But she was trying it. All, and we do that in our lives. Everything we try, try everything else to bring satisfaction. And I'm noticing about America, we're the most miserable people on the planet today. We got the most stuff too. We got a lot of stuff. You want to know, we got storage containers out here and we got, everyone has 3.4 cars in their garage. And you know what's bad? They can't park their cars in the garage because all the stuff's in there. But they ain't, they're not happy. They're not happy at all. They're miserable. They thought that was going to do it. Think this was going to do it. This promotion will do it. This will do it. My house will do it. It doesn't do it. And what happens is if we don't choose Jesus, and you know this, all you do is live a life of experimentation. You exper- we experiment. Only, only one that can give us, uh, meet our every need is Jesus himself. Number two, the village believed her word. Remember, she went to the village, she ran out there, and she said, oh, everything I ever did, come on and see, come on and see, come and see, come see, she said, without the and. Come see. Now, it's interesting. She might have been rejected and an outcast in her society, but she was not, in her village, but she's not rejecting her village. What a change, especially if someone scorns you or just, just um, looks at you below a, per- a certain level, and you have the, you've been transformed to give the love where there was bring- people were giving you hate. Wow. And she was doing that. She went to the same people who said, oh, here comes the prostitute, wonder what she wants. She said, hey, I don't know, but there's something about that movie I just experienced. Told me everything I've done and some more. And they showed up. They believed her word because she was credible. The the message was credible because she was credible. Let me tell you this. You might feel like you're unqualified for Jesus because you have your imperfections and you have those things. You give your life to Jesus, anything that was not well used or organized in your life or imperfect just became perfect. Because the Holy Spirit draws people to them. So she was walking around full of Jesus, telling them to come out. They didn't look at her hair. They didn't look at her husbands. They didn't look at her past. They just saw something different in her eyes. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what kind of life you're in right now. I don't care if you're divorced. I don't care if your kids walked out on you. I don't care if your husband walked out on you. If you got Jesus and they look in your eyes, you're convincing. You believe the word. 
while she was gone, Jesus <laughs> had a little object lesson with the disciples because they wanted to go get something to eat. They wanted some ribs. So they go and get, and he said, what are you going to eat? He said, my, and they, they come up and said, how come he's talking to her? What is he doing talking to her? How dare he? What, I mean, he's the Messiah. How can he allow himself to talk to her? He talked to her. He did it. It's amazing. And he said, eat, Rabbi, eat. He says, my food is to do the will of my father and finish his work. You know, I love prayer. I love Bible study. But you know when you really mature is when you go take what you know from the Lord and share it with someone else. And I notice when people are on mission, we're not in each other's face all the time. You ever notice who works in the workplace? Who got kids? What do you always tell your kids? If you just stay busy, you will not get in what? Church, if we stay busy, we will not get in what? I had a, we had a church split in Okinawa, Japan. I didn't know it. And I was one of the elders. Because they were having meetings about it. You know what I was doing? I worked, I was children's church guy in another building. I go in in the morning, get the kids, they leave. We, me and Ms. Donna come out of the basement. We do our thing. I have a Saturday meeting. And they didn't talk about it. After I left, because I was tired, go home, you come back. Next thing I know, I'm in a meeting. We're splitting the church. I didn't know anything about it. Why? I was too busy. Come on, everybody. I want to be busy. So I don't have to worry about those little inside squirmishes all the time. We're not called to squirmish. We're called to bring people to Jesus. But when we are not working, boy, we're always getting what? Exactly. Exactly. I notice the ones who talk the most, who do nothing, always get you in trouble. They're always in trouble. Now, if you work at a place, don't fire all those people. Just lead them to Jesus. He said this, lift up your eyes and see. The harvest. Guys, look up, look up, lift up your eyes. See, the reason why he said lift up your eyes because sometimes we have a habit of looking at ourselves so much and what we need and what we want, and we don't see the fertile ground that's going on right now. Have you noticed nothing is working for our country? Nothing. The budgets, right? Nothing. We tried everything. And guess what? We haven't tried. Whom we haven't tried. The perfect opportunity is who? Jesus. Now, here, don't get caught up in it. It is for our benefit. It really is for our benefit. World is shaking because now we're not. And it makes you more attractive when you're not shaking and they're shaking. And then you give them a testimony and the harvest is white. Nothing, there's nothing else to do but pick. There's nothing left to do. Everything we try doesn't work. The budget's not going to work. You know it doesn't work when they tell you you got to borrow money to make the country work. I got to go broke so we have money? No. We need Jesus. What a perfect opportunity to minister to families, our neighbors, relationships, those who go through physical abuse, 
emotional abuse. Those might have lost their jobs. Kids just out of don't know what to do. Jesus didn't laugh at that woman. That's what she was. She was shattered. Go to Luke 9. That's when he sent out the 72. Luke 10, I'm sorry. 10 2. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly up to the Lord of the harvest and send out labors into the harvest. This is Jesus about to send out the, um, the uh, 72 to preach. But and it's the same scripture that's in, my, in Matthew chapter 9. He prefaced it with this. I have compassion on those people because they're helpless and harassed without a shepherd. The reason why things are going because people are helpless and they're harassed and we cannot fix ourselves. There's no way we can fix ourselves. We can't go see, we can't see enough Oprah's. We cannot see enough Dr. Phil's to fix ourselves. There's only one fixer and his name is Jesus Christ. And that makes it a single message and a single purpose for each and every one of us. Have you met him yet? Because you tried everything else and we know it's not working. There's a, there's a grace period. That, this is great. This is great. Until reality of our soul shows up that we're broken and we're helpless and harassed without a shepherd. I know it's every day I get up in the morning. Lord, thank you for leading me and guiding me. Because leave me to myself, I am in big trouble. A single purpose. Because they're helpless and harassed. A messed up man will mess up a city. Which a messed up city will mess up a state. A messed up state will mess up a country. Messed up country will mess up a world. When I spent 23 years in the military, I heard this one thing. We're only as strong as our families. Our nation is strong because our people are strong. And because our country was founded on God. Now, he hasn't gone anywhere. We've kind of gone somewhere. We want the government to fix something we're called to fix. We're hoping the next election shows up. We don't have time for that. There's people dying and going to hell every single day. Come on, somebody. This is a real deal. That's why he's talking about coming. And all we see, come and see. Come see something real. Come see something with substance. I'm so glad we're not in church that fights over what color the carpet is. Because then I'm taking out my Louisville slugger, and I'm going to hit you with it, and I'm going to ask my elder to pray for me for forgiveness. Because I've been in places like that. I don't know where that came from. Here's the thing. When he says laborers, we are the laborers. Let me give you some stats. This is from uh, Ed Stetzer. He's a writer. He's an analyst for um, Lifeway <clears throat> Ministries, and also he, he's a church pastor in Tennessee. He said this, the stats, because he said, he said this in his article. If you read it, it came out yesterday. The problem with the harvest is not the harvest. The problem is not the harvest. He said this. There are people all around us who do not realize Jesus came and died for them. Depending on how you count, maybe one in five Americans have a commitment to Christ that is real and life-changing. That means four in five do not. 
He said, that's a lot of lost people. But he said this, don't miss the fact that about one in five Americans are committed believers. All of those believers are commanded to do the work of evangelism, share the gospel, make disciples. According to the research and transformational discipleship assessment, the typical churchgoer tells, tells less than one person how to become a Christian in a given year. The number for more than that of respondents was zero. See, ironically, non-Christians are open to the message that Christians seem hesitant to share. Of the people who don't go to church, listen to this stat, 78% agree somewhat or strongly that if someone wanted to tell me what she or he believed about Christianity, I'll be willing to listen. 78%. Now, look at your neighborhood. And you're the only one, if your car's the only one going to church, you say, I don't know my mission field. You just pulled out of it. <laughs> what do you, do you need some, a boat from heaven? Oh, that's my mission field. Yes, it is. Your workplace. And all you're doing is not giving a, a, whatever they're using, talk about it. Last thing is, the harvest seems at least willing to listen while the workers don't seem to be willing to talk. Harvest wants to listen, but we don't want to talk. He said, nothing's changed since the day Jesus first spoke about the workers of the harvest. We live in a mission field that's genuinely unengaged, but we have a genuinely unengaged mission force. See, and, you know, history said, Pastor, you do it all. You, you go ahead, we pay you to go ahead and do all that. But discipleship says, we all do it together. Now, I do it because I'm a Christian. Now, my office, I do other things because I have the office, but I'm still a disciple. So I have to make disciples, regardless of I have an office or not office. Everyone wants to preach the gospel on the office when you need to really be preaching the gospel in the community, your neighborhood, our workplace. Am I good at it? No. If I would, you told me this message about a year ago, I probably would have cared less. I was so worried about trying to run the church. But I know unless Jesus is preached, our community is not going to change. I can pray for more money to come in, more jobs. I can pray for the industries to come in, but unless people's lives are changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ with light, then the light will attract all those businesses and all those health and all those things that we will ask for on his side. The gospel is the center of everything that we do. It's the good news because it's the only thing that we carry that can change the eternal destiny of an individual. And am I good at it? No. Am I trying? Yes. But we all need to do it. When you have 78%, I want to talk about another ministry starting. I want to talk about getting people in here to Jesus. We got enough ministries in this city to cover it, but we don't have the people in it. Hello? I'm just being real now. Except we get our neighbors, our, our relatives, and share the gospel with them. I don't need a title. We need, we need some disciples. The village, the last one, believed Jesus' word. They heard and they saw for themselves. 
They found their own faith when they encountered Jesus. Now, here's, I'll give you a simplicity on that, simple solution on that. I got all these college students. They're awesome. Aren't they awesome? She said, I hope you don't come over here and bother me. <laughs> we raise our children up to go to school. I'm hoping that's what y'all doing. Because if you don't, they're going to be a liability, not an asset. And they do well under our faith. And we tell them about, I was Lutheran. I did well when my mama was alive and about Jesus in Sunday school. Then they grow up and go to school. And everything I said, they believed. But then there's a part in time they have to find out for themselves who Jesus is to them. Now, I did my part by sharing it, and they started to believe on my word. But the Samaritan says, yes, young lady, I mean, lady, we believed on your word, but we came and saw and we experienced Jesus for real on our own experience, and now we believe him's word. So my job is to force you into that, but you're going to have to experience who Jesus is for you. I know about the millennials. They want action. They want their gospel. Let's go do something. Social, let's go do something. Let's not sit here and do this all day. That's what they are. They're all, our generations are different. And you have to study them to understand them. You can't say they don't understand. They do understand, but they have a different mindset than I do. So I have to learn their mindset. They got to learn my mindset. It's okay. But think about it. They found out for themselves because someone told them. Someone told you. Remember? Remember? Like you said, when someone sows, if you go talk to somebody and say, you know, I think I will go to church. Do you know someone, you're about the fifth person I talked to them because you just didn't do it all on your own? The sower and the reaper celebrate together. And the motivation that we do this, the whole motivation that the world needs today, thanks, is love. Our motivation to share this gospel is love. And our lives is love. I want to talk to some of you young ministers out here. This is not something you do for position. Don't ever catch yourself saying, I did this enough time, so you need to promote me. It's about loving that person, and they know genuine love. How many experience fake love? You know, when it's gen- they genuinely care about me, and they love me, to share the gospel with or just share their lives or invite me to church because I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to die without knowing the greatest thing on the planet. Whoa. Well, you will live in eternity forever with our Lord. There was a quote. If our gospel is not reaching out because the gospel has not reached into us yet. And we're never too old to keep going. He says, you lift up and see the base. You looked up and see the universe. You looked up and see the community. And you see people who need, who want 78%. 
78% want to hear from us. What a, what a collective audience. And you don't have to ask for a tithe and offering after you share the gospel with them. That's a collective audience. Second now, Corinthians 5. The motivation is this, guys, to keep me. I know that Jesus died for me. For the love of Christ controls me, controls us, because we have concluded that this one died for all, therefore all have died. He died for all that those may live no longer, live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So we're going to celebrate Easter and Good Friday. He was died and raised for them. They have no idea. They're looking like, give me some real love. I thought it was in money. I thought it was in relationships. I just thought it was in all this, and it all failed me. Show me something real. And we said, Jesus is real. Can you tell? Can you tell my life is different? Whoa, can you tell? Can you tell? You don't have to burn yourself out trying to find the right thing. You don't have to burn yourself out hoping, looking for, and one guy would say, looking for love all in the wrong places. When the only true love was Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago, even in your, in your sin, he says, I become sin for them. They may live life, and I don't live no longer for myself. I live for him, for his sake. And his sake is, come and see. The crazy dude with the crazy suit who yells at us every Sunday. Come and see the real love of Christ in the doorway. I'm so happy when I meet new people coming to this church. They never say nothing about in the service. They talk about how much love they received outside these doors when they walk in the doors. That means we're doing our job. That's what it's about. Come and see. Come and see. You can think right now. Who can think what now? One person you know needs Jesus. Or you probably can do five or ten of them. I'm asking you to think about one. One. Start praying for them. And invite them out. Invite them out to lunch and then bring them to church. Or bring them out for breakfast and bring them to church. And don't stop there. That relationship is just getting started. We have an opportunity. It's about us coming together with them. And we're going to make it easy for you. Guys, come up. Some cards we made. It's crazy cards, but the power to hold is in them. We're asking you, if that person, that one you're thinking about and praying about, they might be connected to two or three people. First, they're going to notice your difference in you. And they're going to be so happy that you invited them somewhere. And he says, come and see. Come experience grace. Come experience love. I handed these out last week. It's an action plan. Your heart's got to break again. If you, don't look, you keep looking down at you, you'll never look up and see the opportunities. Because let me tell you about it. Jesus was tired. He was weary. We miss a lot of opportunities sometimes because it's dressed up in overalls and it looks like work. A neighbor, and they're not rejecting you. You're handing them. How many know if it's hot outside and then someone needs a cold cup of water and you have it in your hand, would you just let them burn up? You give them what? 
And they'll say, thank you for that water. And then something changes on the inside of you. Purpose restores. Purpose comes. Life comes. You realize something. I was created to do something greater than just come to church and sing songs. I was created to be an instrument of God's glory. And that's a high, distinguished calling. It's not just for pastors only. It's for every one of us. And it makes it exciting because that starts to feed your soul that you're actually doing something for God. But you're really doing something with God because by the time you give him that card, God's already been working. He's just been waiting for us to show up. He's special delivery. When you start praying, he's already working on it. You ever pray for somebody and life got worse? Y'all, yeah, y'all so religious. No, that won't happen to me. Yes, it does. Because he set it up for you to show up. Let everyone stand. We're going to close. That's your assignment. Grab that card. Pray for somebody. Family, a person. Invite them into your life. 78% are waiting to hear from you. And we know we live in a religious town. But I'm telling tell you, you ask them the right question, what does God expect of you? They have no idea what you're talking about because they have a religion like, well, I do worship with my hands up and my hands down and my dad lose Sunday school and I was all that. And you're saying, no, 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 no. What about you? Because that's the answer they're going to get. I can't do it. If I'm a pastor, they're going to give me a Sunday school experience. But really, why don't you experience the real thing? Who got faith to step out this week? I'm not looking for perfection. I'm just looking for some progress. Because you got to see the harvest as Jesus saw. Helpless and harassed. When you're, not, when you're with Jesus, you're not helpless any longer because you have a shepherd. They don't have one. Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, you touch your folks, God. You commission us, God. You equip us. Father, you also <laughs> come with us. I pray for every divine appointment this week, God. For this weekend, for Easter, for Good Friday, for two services, God. Be filled with people who don't know you. And I pray for chaperones that bring them, God. I pray for tour guides, not just a travel agent. Tour guides will lead them to a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, put us back on point. Put us back in the right spot where we need to be telling what's the greatest thing on the planet, the greatest love story in the world, better than the Hobbit, Hobbit, greater than Captain America. The greatest love story on the world is Jesus Christ dying on the cross for each and every one of us that we may receive life and life in abundance. Father, burn our hearts. Help us to feel what you feel, God. Help us to see what you see. Help us to say what you say. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap, somebody. As always, I'm going to have some of our prayer partners and our leaders to come up. Come on, leaders. Come on, pray. If you need prayer this morning, don't leave without it. 
you have a card and you want someone to agree with you on that card, come up, they'll pray for you on that card. You need prayer. Come up and pray. If you need prayer. Think about what's on your card. Just think of a name or a family. Remember, when I was unemployed, I still had Jesus. I wasn't half as problem they had with unemployment and no Jesus. I was still blessed because I was blessed with the one who can get me the right job. They're not. They need hope. They need vision. We need to end this drought of leaders. We need to end this drought of America sinking down. We need to end all this drought and stand on the one thing, God who and who I trust. And they don't have to, they can take it off the dollar bill, but they can't take it at your heart. And you share your heart, not the dollar. And Father, I thank you again. Bless our time together. Bless these, these week. Let everyone appointment be ordained by you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.